Thank you all for being here today. Uh, we are starting a, a new two-part message series called Big Vision, Simple Church. And this message series is a celebration of Hope Community Church. It's a celebration of you. It's a celebration of our church. And more importantly, it's a celebration of what God has accomplished through this collective of people, through this, His church, over the past 11 years. Now, I know 11 years doesn't sound like much compared to a lot of churches out there, right? you got churches that have been around for like over 100 years in this very area. But we've been around for 11, and that's worth celebrating too. And so that's what we're doing in this series. We're celebrating what we've accomplished. We're celebrating where we've been. And we're looking forward to what's next for us. As we begin here, um, we want to take a moment to appreciate some of the things that have been accomplished, that God has accomplished through this, His church. Now, when we were a church that was one year old, or two years old, or even three years old, it was easier for me to remember the, all the stuff that we had done. Um, but now that we're 11, looking back over 11 years, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to remember all that we've accomplished and all that we've done and all the lives that we've changed and all the people that we've met and all the friendships that were made. But there's a few things we can rattle off, a few things that we can think of. There's some big things that we've done. There's some simple things that we've done. You know, there's things like these food donations that come in on Sunday mornings. And you think, well, that's not like a big, fancy, exciting thing. Well, that's, that's a really great thing. Think about how many families in your neighborhood, in this community, have been fed, have been supported through those donations, those simple donations that you bring in. And that's worth celebrating. Don't you think things like that are worth celebrating? The people who are hungry literally have food to eat. And I wasn't planning on calling anybody out today, but Mickey, thank you. Mickey Pilson, round of applause for Mickey who over the years has been faithful in saying, where do people in our own community need, like these basic needs? How many families have been helped through you and through our support as collectively as a church? That's something that we could easily gloss over, but it's worth celebrating. How about the meal trains? Let's keep this food theme going. How about the meal trains that have gone out over the years? Again, that seems something simple, but how many people have had loved ones in the hospital they're having a difficult time making ends meet, and that meal train goes out, and you see that email come out, and you're thinking, oh my goodness gracious, prepare another meal, but yeah, I'm going to do it. And so you make that meal, and you help that family. How many families have been helped by you through this, through this, our church? You think about the different service opportunities and the service project, and just last Sunday, we had our Be the Church Sunday, and some of you have shared your stories with me about what you did on Be the Church Sunday, and I love those service projects, you know, going over and helping with lawn work or whatever it is, but I was so glad to hear some of your stories about really just meeting with someone, taking the time to, to build a relationship, to work on a relationship, to spend some time, the ministry of spending time, the ministry of presence that you spent with other People, again, how many of those type of things have we done as a church? I think about the people, especially throughout the pandemic, that we were able to help financially. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, people got bills to pay. We were able to help many families in our own community make ends meet, especially during the difficult days of the pandemic. How about our trips to Kenya? We're about to take our eighth trip. This is the eighth, I know, right, eight times that we've done it. And the number of lives that have been changed. And this is like a quantifiable thing where you can go back and see all the families that received these water filters. And I know, like, we didn't do it all on our own, but we played a part in changing communities throughout Kenya. 
I mean, changing their economy, changing the way they live because they're healthy now. They have access to clean water and they can go to work and all these things, the changes that we have helped accomplish for the better in this world. Big things. God has done big things. What else has happened over the course of the past 11 years? Let's see. Um, oh, yeah. We got this building. How about that? Goodness gracious. We've got some property. And by the way, I do feel the need to remind everybody of this. When we first started, I never promised a building to anybody. We can rent a space. We'll find somewhere to meet. We started the church. We filed the paperwork. We didn't even have a meeting. You realize how crazy? We did not know where we were going to meet when we filed all the paperwork to become a church. Yeah, well, God will provide. We'll figure it out. And God gave us this space and this house next door, and we're, we're enjoying it right now. And how many times have you been next door for a fellowship event or a small group or whatever it is? And what a blessing to have this space. Every once in a while, I'll step out of my office, and I'll walk out on the, on the lawn in front of Hope House, and I'll just turn and stare up at this building, and I'll freeze staring at this building, thanking God for this miracle. For one dollar, do you know how much property costs? For one dollar, we received this property. Are you kidding me? And I'll just stand outside and stare and look at this place and thank God. So if you're ever driving by and you see me standing on the lawn like this, I'm okay. I'm just thanking God for what he's done for us. This church started as four people and we are now up to a membership conservatively of 120 people, which is more than four, if my math is correct there, yes? So there's been a growth there. There's been people connecting and who want to be a part of this, and that is worth celebrating. Over 11 years together, we have celebrated over 60 baptisms. And some of you who are newer to church life and newer to Christianity, you may not know much about baptism, but a baptism is after somebody receives Christ as Savior, they go through this public ceremony where they're baptized in front of people, where they go public with their faith, with that life-changing decision that we made. And we have celebrated over 60 baptisms. Pray, can we praise God for that? Praise God, 60 baptisms. And we could rattle off some more facts, and we'll do a little bit of this next week as well, but goodness gracious, that's the thing that I care most about. That's the thing that excites me the most, the 60 baptisms. And I'll tell you what, maybe, maybe I should keep this as an inside thought, but I'll say it out loud. I would trade this building and the house next door for just one more, just one more person receiving Christ as Savior. Would you? Would you? Would we meet outside or meet in the parking lot or the firehouse? Would they let us meet there? You know, if it meant one more person receiving Christ as Savior, because that's, that's what God really cares about. Now, I'm going to play a little game here this morning. It's a dangerous game. And in fact, I recommend that you do not attempt to play this game on your own. Don't try this at home, folks. We're going to play a little game called the comparison game. Are you ready for the comparison game? When I look at what we've accomplished as a church, and we look to other churches and see what they've accomplished and see what they've been able to do and, and maybe the same amount of time or a shorter amount of time, and I look at what we've accomplished, and I look at our numbers, and I say we went from 40 to 120, or four, we went from four to 120, and I look at that number, and I realize, you know what? Pfft, we're not breaking any records with that stat. I mean, come on. There are churches that have grown by hundreds and thousands over the course of 11 years, Yes. And I look at that number that excites me of over 60 baptisms, and I'm like, that's fantastic, that's wonderful, but let's be real, there are churches that do that in a summer. Come on, baby, yeah? 
And so, yes, to know where we are, and you can see how dangerous it is to play that comparison game, but you could also play it in the other direction. Because we're not a magnet church, are we? Yeah? We're not trying to draw in people from a tri-state area, whatever those tri-states are. We're not doing that. No, we're a little local community church, so specific in our area, the ridley Innerborough area. And I, I ask you to consider how many other churches in our geography have accomplished what we've accomplished? How many churches in our area have grown at all or have had any baptisms? And you see why this comparison game is a dangerous game to play? And all of a sudden, we can start letting ourselves get puffed up. I don't share these stats with you to puff you up. I don't do that at all. I'm sharing this perspective with you in the hopes of reigniting our appreciation for what God has done through this, His church. I believe that we human beings, we're not hardwired to be appreciative. I think being appreciative takes, it takes work, it takes effort. It takes intentionality to be appreciative of what we have, to be appreciative of what God has done for us. I think back to the story of Moses. Have you read the story of Moses? Are you familiar with this in the book of Exodus? And God works through Moses in this powerful way, and Moses frees an entire nation of people from slavery, frees all of the Israelites, and that generation of Israelites witnessed miracles that no one had seen before and no one's seen since. They saw the hand of God move in wonderful and terrible and mighty ways. And Moses frees them and takes them out of slavery into freedom. And they get their taste of freedom and they become this true theocracy. They have no king. They have no president. They just have God. And they have their freedom. And they look back at Egypt. They say, can we go back? We had fish there. I like eating seafood. We're out in the desert. There's no fish here. And Moses is like, are you kidding me? Yeah, you had fish, but you were slaves. Now, we are not inclined to appreciate what God has done for us. It takes work. It takes intentionality. And I think we're the same way. It takes us work. We have to be intentional in appreciating what God has done for us. And so we're going to play another little game here today. And this requires some participation from you all. And so as we play this next game, I want to remind you that this is a safe space. But I'm going to ask certain groups of people to stand up. And when you stand up, don't be embarrassed, okay? It's just it's part of something we're doing to reignite this appreciation, yes? And so I'm going to ask you to stand up if you have been baptized as a part of Hope Community Church. Would you please stand? And please... And please remain standing. If maybe you weren't baptized, but you have received Christ as Savior through Hope Community Church, please rise. Please remain standing. Okay, this is for me. I need to take a picture of this. <laughs> this is what God has done through Hope Community Church. Please remain standing. Okay? If you... <clears throat> If you have gone on a mission trip with Hope Community Church, please stand. Abroad or, or here in the States, please stand. If you have began or begun some kind of new discipline like reading the Bible or saying your prayers or attending the small group, if you've started that here, please stand. 
If you've been on the receiving end of some form of support, some financial support or emotional support or spiritual support, please stand. That's another one. Everybody smile. This is why we do what we do. Please give God a sign of our appreciation and support. Give him a round of applause. Thank you, God. You may be seated. Thank you. I needed that. Thank you for playing along. Now, in the lead-up to today, a few days ago, I sent out an email, and I let you know that this morning, we're going to be focusing on three questions. I have three questions for you, and I gave you the first of these three questions over email a few days ago. And my first question for you, those of you who are at a place where you consider yourself a member of Hope Community Church, my first question for you is simply, what do you want? As in, what do you want for your church? What do you want to see us accomplish over the next 11 years? What do you want to see us focus on over the course of the next 11 years? What kind of ministry, what kind of programs do you want us to start? What kind of experiences would you like to have as a part of Hope Community Church? What would you like to see us start doing? What would you like to see us stop doing? What kind of events should we launch? What kind of attitude, what kind of spiritual growth do you want to see? What do you want to see accomplished in this your church, and there's really no wrong way to answer that question because it's completely selfish. It's all about you. It's what do you want for your church? Some of you took that question to heart. Some of you have been contemplating that question. Some of you actually wrote down your answers, which is wonderful. Some of you sent me your answers, and you didn't have to do that. You were allowed to do that. And some of you sent me your answers, and over the course of 11 years, a lot of you have shared your ideas of what you would like to do, what you would like to see us do as as a church, let me give you an idea of, of some of the things that you would like to see, some of, the, some of your wants for your church. There's a lot of program and, and ministry type things, a lot of ideas that you've had. Start a preschool, that was an idea. Uh, start some kind of summer camp program for kids, a, a Bible club or a sports camp or a worship camp or arts camp or all of the above. Um, convert Hope House into a kind of shelter, maybe a women's shelter, something like that. Another great idea. Uh, start counseling services uh, at a Hope House. It's another idea. Uh, start a drama program for kids and or adults. Um, have some addiction recovery services available here. Again, lots of, of ministry ideas, lots of program ideas. Uh, start grief support groups here at the church. Host movie nights here at the church. That would be fun. Can we watch Lego Batman? I feel like that's a real... If we ever do movie nights, it's a good movie. It's got a good message to it. Movie nights, talent show. Ooh, talent show. Put on a talent show and see what's up. Yeah. Door-to-door -door ministry. What if, why don't we engage in that type of thing? Why don't we host a freestyle rap battle? That's another idea that came... I made that up. That one was mine. But see, there's no, there's no shortage. Did you like that one? There's no shortage of ideas. And really, there's no shortage of wants and desires among the congregation of this church, among the congregation of any church, things that we want to see happen, good things, program things, spiritual growth, spiritual development, all kinds of wants that we have. There's no shortage of ideas, and quite frankly, there's no shortage of good ideas. That's going to bring us to our second question. And the second question this morning is more important than the first, like vastly more important than the first. Second question is, what does God want? You knew I was going there, right? A lot of you know I was going there. Second question is, what does God want for His church? What does 
God wants. There is this event that takes place in Luke 10, this scene that unfolds. Uh, Jesus is friends with a trio of siblings, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and Jesus and his disciples, so it's Jesus plus 12, these 13 men, they show up at the home of Mary and Martha, and they put on this event. They're hosting this teaching time with Jesus, and so can you, any ho- anybody gifted in hosting? I know a lot of you are gifted at hosting in this room, yeah? So you know what it's like to host, and you got to get everything ready for these people who are coming over, and I don't know how far in advance Mary and Martha knew this was happening, and so there's food to be prepped. There's cleaning that needs to be done. You know what it's like to clean before somebody comes over, right? Yeah? You find out somebody's coming over, and you clean as fast as you can, and then they, you welcome them into your home and say, oh, I'm sorry, it's such a mess. Yeah, right. It's never been that clean, right? You took that five minutes and cleaned as fast as you could. And so there's a lot of preparation, a lot of work that needs to be done. These are 13 homeless men coming into your home and a bunch of others to hear the teachings of Jesus. And so Martha is on it. She's the host, and it's got to be done, and she's taking care, and she's preparing the snacks, and she's making the little cucumber sandwiches and the tea or whatever they had back then. I don't know how it works. She's preparing the food, and Mary, her sister, ain't doing nothing. Mary's like, you go ahead and take care of that, Martha. I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to the words of God pour out of his mouth. So Martha is worried and busy and taking care of all these things, and the frustration level reaches a point where she actually, can you imagine how frustrated she had to be? She actually tattletales on her sister to the Son of God. Jesus, she's not helping me. She's just sitting here listening to you. And Jesus says back to her in Luke 10, Begins with verse 41. It says, Martha, Martha. It says her name twice. Did you ever have somebody like, hey, hey, ooh, calm down. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Who cares about the dishes in the sink? Who cares about all the busy stuff that you could be doing? There's only one thing that matters right now. And Mary's taking advantage of this unique opportunity. How many people on the face of this planet had this unique opportunity? I'm not going to take that away from her. There's a saying that maybe you've heard. Good is the enemy of great. I didn't make that up. Have you heard that before? Good is the enemy of great. And in the world of church, there are so many good things that we could be doing, things that will be helpful to other people, helpful to our community, helpful to just building a sense of community within this body. So many good things that we could be doing, but sometimes good and focusing on all these different good things and spreading ourselves too thin with good things robs us of being able to focus on what's great. We can all be like Martha, so busy doing stuff, doing church stuff, doing Christian stuff that we miss out what God wants for us. So busy, jumping from one idea to the next, jumping from one initiative to the next. So busy. But what are we accomplishing? What are we working toward? My last church was busy. Did you ever, you ever be a part of a busy church? My last church was busy, all right? That calendar was action-packed. Every week, it felt like something was going on. We had vacation Bible school. We had sports camp. I ran the sports camp, by the way. How about that irony? I'm not athletic at all, and I ran the sports camp, right? 
Vacation Bible School sports camp. We had community day. Community day, we had dunk tanks. We had pony rides. We had a chicken barbecue, like whole chickens being barbecued on like the thing. You know the thing. Have you seen that? Like a whole big thing. We had a 4th of July event. We had trunk or treats. We did a Christmas show, a live nativity, yes, with real animals and real people. And we even got a searchlight up in the sky. How about that? You know what a searchlight is? It's like the bat signal without Batman up there. It's a searchlight in the sky to draw people in to come and see this live nativity, this schedule. This is the tip of the iceberg. The schedule we kept there was crazy. And I was there for four and a half years. And in those four and a half years, I didn't see a single baptism. What are we doing? We are spinning our wheels. What are we working toward? I mean, we can ask ourselves the question, what do we want for our church? But the better question is, what does God want for His church? What does God want? If you've been with us for a while, you've heard me tell this story. You're probably sick of me telling this story. But that's the question that changed my life. That's not an exaggeration. The question, what does God want more than anything else? And Hope Community Church was born out of that question and seeking the answer to it. What is it God wants more than anything else? Because God's top priority should be our top priority. Yeah? I mean, that's the ideal. What God wants more than anything else should be what we, the people of God, want more than anything else. There's no mystery here. God has told us clearly what He wants. All we have to do is look to the pages of Scripture. You take that question to Scripture, the answer leaps off the page. What does God want more than anything else? From Genesis to Revelation is a revelation of what God wants. In fact, That's one way of thinking about what the Bible is. It's God telling us what He wants. And in the Bible, God reveals His greatest desire to us. 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are waiting for the return of Christ. They're suffering persecution. Isn't Jesus coming back? Yes, He's coming back, but Peter has to address this issue. He says to them, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish. Did you hear that? What does God not want? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, you make your way through the Bible and you read these passages, and some of them are kind of vague. It's like, oh, I'm not sure what God wants. This is flat out. What does He want? Everyone to come to repentance. It is spelled out. No mystery. What does God want? Everyone to come to repentance. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is Paul writing to his son in the faith, writing to Timothy. He says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants... Well, here we go. Paul's about to tell us what God wants. Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Oh, what does God want for it? It's no mystery. It's no mystery. It's spelled out for us. I'm going to give you one answer, but I'm going to phrase it in several different ways. It's all the same answer. What does God want more than anything else? God wants all to repent. God wants all to be saved. What does God want more than anything else? God wants us as in relationship with us, a relationship that lasts forever because He loves us. What does God want? He wants to save us from damnation, eternal separation from Him. He wants to save us from that. What does God want? He wants us to repent so He can forgive our sins. What does God want? He wants us to accept the gift that He has given us in Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life. Let me give you the children's church answer. What does God want? He wants us to go to heaven when we die. Is that simple enough for us? 
Put basically, put simply, what does God want more than anything else? He wants to save us. That's why Jesus started this movement called church. We the church. I'm going to say something much sound shocking at first, but hear me out. We the church, not just one local church, but all of us who are the body of Christ. We the church, we are the vessel of salvation. We are the vessel of salvation. We're not the saviors. Uh, Jesus is the savior. We're just the vessel. We are the communicators of the gospel. We are the incarnation of the gospel. And we, specifically Hope Community Church, we exist. We exist for the sake of saving the lost. That's why we're here. We don't exist for our own sake. We don't just, you know, let's just be a, a Christian club and get some ideas together, and some of them can be good, and some of them can be altruistic, and some of them can just, no, 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 that's not why we exist. We exist for the sake of the lost. For those of you who are newer to Hope Community Church, you might not know our vision statement yet, so let me share it with you. It's one sentence, our vision statement. We are engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. Engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. Say it with me. Engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. Now say it like you mean it. Engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. Not for your sake if you're already saved. Not for my sake. I'm already saved. We exist for the sake of the lost. And so for those of you who played along thinking about what you want for your church, thank you so much. For those of you who wrote that stuff down, that's great. And I want you to think about your ideas and continue to dream about what you personally would want for your church. But as you're thinking through these things of what you want for your church, what I want you to think about is the ROI, the return on investment. And the things that you might want to do for your church, you think, okay, is this really going to help us advance our mission? Is this really going to give God what He wants? Think about that, the return on your investment. Is it worth doing? Is it going to work, in other words? Is the thing I want to do actually going to work in communicating the gospel to the lost? Is it going to work? Or is it just kind of fun, right? Slushy machine would be fun, right? Yeah, a Wawa coffee. A little, if we could get a Wawa franchise in the back room, that would be fun. Maybe that might be effective. I don't know, right? But ROI, man hours plus money plus all this, is it going to work? There's a scripture passage in your bulletin, you may think, what does this have to do with anything? Well, here it is. Scripture passage about stewardship. It's Matthew 25. So Jesus tells this parable, and in this parable, I mean, we have a master and we have these servants, and Jesus is the master in this parable, just to give that away, I don't mean to spoil it for you, but Jesus is the master in this parable, and he has these three servants, and he gives them, he gives them gold. He gives them gold coins or talents as a, a unit of money. He gives them money. So he gives to his first servant, he says, here's five talents, and he gives to his second, here's two, and he gives to the last one one. He says, this is mine, I am giving it to you, my servants, and you better take good care of it, invest it wisely on my behalf. And they each take that money, and, and one of them, we're not going to talk about that last one, because he does a terrible job, and he gets punished for it, right? He gets punished for it. But that first servant that received the five gold coins, I mean, listen to what Jesus said, after a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. <clears throat> and the one who received those five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and I made five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. There's a phrase we like to repeat. Don't we want to hear that from Jesus? Well done, good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you, which belonged to me, and you were a good caretaker, a good steward over what I gave you. 
And this servant is praised by Jesus. And this servant gets to hear the words pour out of the mouth of Jesus. Well done. You took what was mine, and you took very good care of it. What we see in this servant, this heart, this attitude, it doesn't have this attitude of, well, it's mine. You know, these gold coins are mine now. They've been given to me. So if I squander them, hey, that wouldn't be great, but at least it's mine. It's mine to mess up, you know, and this is mine to mess up. No. He treats this with such care. This is precious because it doesn't belong to We can be careless with our own things. Let's be honest. We can be careless. Oh, man, I just spent all this money on this thing and it broke. Well, at least it was my money to spend. Ugh. It's not great, but we can be careless with our things. But this servant is given something by Master Jesus. It's like, I better take this. is precious. I need to protect this. What do I want to do with it? I don't care. I'm, what does Jesus want me to do with this? This belongs to him. You see where I'm going with this. Jesus, this church belongs to you. This church does not belong to us. This belongs to Jesus. There's this attitude, and it's so simple. This is attitude that can creep into our hearts, creep into our lives, and maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know, I've been here for like five years. I've been a part of this church. I've been giving to this church. I've been volunteering. I've been showing up. I have been invested. This is mine now. No. No, it's not. And maybe you've been with us for like 11 years, and you remember the old days back? Some of you remember. You remember the old days back in the hotel, Yeah. We show up there, we're supposed to be in a ballroom, and we got to get one of those luggage, luggage carts, and we take that out to the car, and we load up these big speakers on that thing, and we load it back in, and we make our way to that ballroom, and somebody else is in it, and we say, where are we supposed to go? And they send us upstairs to a lousy little conference room that smells like mold, and that's where we got to have church, and you think, I've been there since then. I've been there since all the way back then. Well, it's not yours. You might be found, if you were part of our church from that first summer, you're founding members of this church. How about that? Ooh, tip of the hat to you, founding members. How about that? Yeah? It's not yours. It's not yours. You know, my deal, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the founding pastor of Hope Community Church. How about that? Yeah? Y'all impressed by that title? Yeah? Put that on my business card if I had one. So what? So what that I'm a founding pastor? This isn't mine. This church isn't mine. I'm not talking about a building, by the way, friends. I'm talking about Hope Community Church. It's not mine. This belongs to Jesus. So we have to protect it. We have to take care of it. It belongs to him, and he's coming back. And he's going to ask for an account of, what did you do with the church that I put you over? You were the stewards of this church. What did you do with it? We're going to have to give an account. We better take care of what belongs to Jesus and if we do a good job of taking care of this, after all of us are dead, this movement will still be going on because it belongs to Jesus, not to us. And that brings us to the third question that I have for you today. How much are you willing to sacrifice? That's the question. Specifically, how much are you, the individual, how much are you willing to sacrifice in order to give God what he wants. You can go back to that list if you have a list of things that you want for your church. You can go back to that list. I mean, that's not, that's not like a fruitless exercise. Go ahead back to that list and come through it. What are the things you want? What are the things you want that actually align with what God wants? 
Here's a little exercise for you. If you have that list mentally, if you wrote that list down of things that you want for your church, go back through that and cross out everything that does not align with what God wants and see what you're left with. Are you willing to sacrifice your wants for your church? Yeah? You know, I'd really like to see us do this new event. I'd really, well, you know what, but I don't think it's going to be very effective. So I'm going to give up that want. I'm going to give up that desire. Do you have a sacrificial heart? What did we sing about earlier? Surrendering? Will you surrender? I'm crying over that song, by the way. Was I the only one? Yeah, I guess I was. I'm crying over this song that the band is doing about surrendering. I surrender. I surrender. Are you willing to surrender to give up your wants, sacrifice your wants for the sake of giving God what He wants? Go ahead. Go back through your list of ideas, your list of wants. Cross them all out, the ones that don't align with what God wants. I'm, you know, I know how this works. I come up here, I give you these challenges as the pastor, and nobody does them. Well, maybe a few of them. Okay, if you're going to do it, do it. Go through. What, what is it that I want that actually aligns with what God wants? I did this. <laughs> I'm not just asking you. I actually did this exercise. Wrote down a list of things that I want for this, our church, and I crossed the ones out. I'm like, you know what? I don't think, even as early as this morning, I was still crossing them out, right? So what am I left with here? So let me share with you. This is personal. Can I share these with you? Is that all right? These are my personal. Well, it doesn't matter if you say yes or no. I'm sharing them anyway, right? I'm going to share. I don't know why I asked. I'm going to share them anyway. Here's a few things on my list. You can see there's some cross-outs as of today. I kept crossing things out. Some things that I want, that I believe align with what God wants. I want Hope Community Church to be welcoming to my neighbors, friends, and loved ones who aren't Christians. That's not an event, that's not a program, that's not a ministry, that's, a, that's an attitude, that's a spiritual thing. I want this church to be welcoming to my neighbors, friends, and loved ones who aren't Christians. I want the elevator of our church to go all the way down to the ground floor, and I'm not talking about a literal elevator, I'm talking about this thing that happens in so many churches where you show up on your first Sunday, and it's like they expect you to be on the third floor by the time you show up. you got to know all this stuff about the Bible, you got to know all this stuff about church, you got to know all this stuff about Jesus and Christianity if you're even going to start. No, we want to start at the bottom so that people who know nothing, have no context, can walk in. Elevator go all the way down to the ground floor. I want to be a part of a congregation that is willing to sacrifice all of our wants and desires for the sake of making the gospel accessible to people who aren't already saved. Or to put it another way, I want Hope Community Church to exist for the sake of my lost neighbors, my lost friends, my lost loved ones. And as far as I can discern, that's what God wants. We exist for the sake, not for our own sake. This isn't Christian club. We exist for the sake of the lost. That's our destiny. That's, that's why Jesus started this thing. And goodness gracious, there's enough, enough other churches in this area for people who are already saved. Let's be the church for people who aren't already saved. So let's go ahead as we move into year 12 and beyond. Let's fulfill our destiny. Let's be the church that does not exist for the sake of the saved. Let's be the church that exists for the sake of the lost. Who's with me? Who's with me? And if you're wondering how 
If you're wondering how will we become that kind of church, how will we become the church that exists for the sake of the lost? Well, that's the question that we will answer next week in part two of our series, a sermon called Simple Church. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times where I have attempted to hijack this church out of your hands, to take it from you and make it about something else. Jesus, this, this movement belongs to you. Hope Community Church, we belong to you. We are yours, and we want to see your will accomplished here. And so, Father God, I pray for my heart and the heart of all of us, everyone in this space, all of our members, let our hearts align with your heart, let our desires align with your desire, and what's most important to you, make that most important to us. And Father God, through your provision, through your continued provision, allow us to become the church that exists for the sake of the lost. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.